Word. Hello, I, I'm, I'm director of RADA. Um, I feel as we've got so late, I want to kind of just go straight into your questions rather than me kind of uh, chipping in. The only thing I would say, particularly to the RADA people, is that you have, particularly in terms of Roger and Anne, uh, two people who have worked a lot both in theatre and film. So any interest in terms of the relationship between the, the director both in theatre and film and the actor both in theatre and film is particularly of a good place to put these questions. But get the first question from the audience, please. Somebody chip in. Yeah, Andrew. Uh, um, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and Can one you say what Andrew just said? Andrew, so, so, sorry, Andrew well, Where you're from? I'm from RADA. Um, <laughs> <Andrew> <laughs> uh, yeah, I just want to say I really, really enjoyed it. Um, it was, I found it really refreshing to watch a film for this reason, and it's kind of a question as well. Um, one of the things that really stuck out for me is the length of each shot, and just uh, also for you and, and, how, uh, and for the director. How was it to work? Because it seemed like there was so much trust of what the actors were doing, so that, so you could leave the shots longer. Is that is that a question? <laughs> well, from an acting point of view, we rehearsed for a fortnight, which makes a huge amount of difference. Because I think if I'd if I'd learned it the night before, um, I wouldn't have had the concentration that I had. But by the time we got into the studio. We'd learnt the lines by the time we got onto the location and we had got centred on it, do you know what I mean? Um, because a lot of the time, you know, as you'll discover, you learn things at the last minute and then you're never quite sure what you're doing. And I think both Daniel and I and the others, we had a pretty strong idea. And so we were centred, you know, and, and presumably Roger was happy to, to hang on to it, you know. There are t thing, jobs I've done when people would like to get off me as quickly as possible. <laughs> I, I remember the first read-through. I remember being able to say at the first read-through, I know everyone's very nervous today, but the World Cup match is being played at four o'clock. Because <laughs> <clears throat> it was a World Cup year, wasn't it? I don't remember it, it was, that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we did rehearse a lot. But in terms of the length of the shots, You'll, are, you, are, you, are you going to be an actor? Yeah, hopefully, yeah. You'll find, you'll, you'll find that, you know, generally shots are pretty long, but they're usually cut up later, yeah. whereas lots of yeah, the shots right. that you saw, just because of the style of the way I wanted to do the film, are, you know, very long sequences where the, the camera moves and follows the actors around. So you have to prepare for, you know, shots to be quite long. Just picking up one that, that came out of that, this two weeks rehearsal, is that something that was, is very important to you on this particular film or all your films? Well, it's, it, it's what I do on all my films, because I come, as you know, uh, out, <laughs> of, out of theatre. Edward and I worked together at the National 10, 20 years ago. Mm, mm, 10, maybe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I feel reassured by a long rehearsal period, and the actors tend to feel reassured. Mm -hmm. Even if they haven't ever rehearsed before, you'll, I, I found that actors, I've just done a film um, with people like uh, Harrison Ford and Diane Keaton, who, who, hadn't, who weren't really used to sort of a couple of weeks knocking the script around in a rehearsal room. And they, uh, to begin with, they sort of rather balked at the idea of the time spent. But in fact, all actors feel better for it because mm -hmm they realise that they feel more prepared and 
more comfortable and they know each other. Lots of actors meet on set, you know. It's sort of hello, action kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And obviously... Is yeah, it's something which is um, absolutely essential, I think. I think some actors are, are, are really good. I don't know what you... Are, are being brilliant, you know, spontaneously, without thinking about it. I think you need a lot of confidence in front of a camera to do that. And um, some people love it, don't they? They hate to rehearse. And they... Uh, and, yeah, and I mean, you're not looking for the performance in the rehearsal. It's a different sort of... Rehearsal to doing a stage rehearsal, but you're laying the groundwork so that on the day, mm. whatever spontaneity mm. occurs, I like, you I can like a of, lot you can, of rehearsal you can grab for everything. Do you, do, is that technically a rehearsal as well in terms of where you, where the, you think the camera's going to be? No, no it's not just for the actors. Totally not. I, I remember you describing it to me once as um, what you don't want is the actors turning up on the day of the filming and saying, "Where where is my character in this scene?" Where am I in my journey? Where am I in my story? I don't, I don't quite understand what I'm doing. You don't want those discussions on set. There isn't time on set for those discussions. So if you can have those prior in a rehearsal, that's hugely advantageous. Another question. But don't bank on it. Yeah, don't bank on it. You, know, you won't always you, get you it. Won't get <laughs> no, you won't. Yeah. <laughs> in, in front there. Um, Andy Cooper, I'm a theatre director, uh, film director external. Um, I just thought it was one of the most wonderful things I've, I've seen in ages. It was an immaculate performance, beautifully crafted, wonderfully directed, and so, so moving, um, oh, and, and a glorious piece of work. I can ask you a million questions. I'll, I'll try and, and <laughs> cut it down to just four. Um, <laughs> um, there seems to be a, a, a big correlation between framing the shots in terms of the architecture of the buildings. Um, which seems to be quite a sensible equation, but I was very interested in that, in that framing. Um, I'd love to hear as, as much about the rehearsal process as, as you can uh, bear to, to, to dredge up. But, I mean, did you hot seat it? Did you just talk? Did you, did you rehearse in, 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 in location or in rehearsal rooms or a bit of both? Um, and uh, very technically, did you storyboard um, for the camera? And if so, how did that work? And at what point did you do that? That's only three questions. Um, <laughs> in which case, I apologise. Um, no, I didn't storyboard at all on this film, apart from the sex scenes, which I storyboarded and then sat with the actors in a rehearsal room and said, "This is what this is this is what this scene is going to be, and the camera's going to be here, and you're going to be doing that to her, and you have an orgasm here, and you have an orgasm." Did here. you? I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> Darling, I do. Because <laughs> um, I think I think, with, I think with those scenes, you have to be utterly ruthlessly pragmatic about them and the last thing you ever want to do with your actors is say okay you know here's a bed here's a camera you guys fool around over there and we'll kind of shoot shoot you so they they have to be very technically achieved and um she was brilliant because she was frightened about them for a long time she was absolutely brilliant and on the first day we were doing a scene where daniel craig was kneeling behind her she was on the bed he was fucking from behind and the camera you know we all knew what we we're doing but she came in and we were all, we were all quivering. And she came in and she knelt down by the bed and she said, gentlemen, I have called you here today. <laughs> Do you remember? And suddenly we all felt comfortable about what we were doing. And that was down to her. I said, I'm sure you're all wondering why I've invited you here. <laughs> As to your first question and the architecture of the buildings, um, Alvin, who shot the film, is a, is a brilliant cinematographer, but 
he was forbidden the use of a generator on this film, in, in, except for the occasional night shoot, because we wanted to shoot this very, very informally with the smallest possible crew and as cheaply as possible. And aesthetically, that fed into the film, and so nearly everything you see is shot with available light. <coughs> with the result that, I don't know if you remember, during the, during the scene with Annie and her son at the end of the film, where there's a kind of table in the foreground and they're talking about Darren. The sun suddenly comes out and this amazing kind of sort of Kubrick type sort of shape appears on the on the on the wall and on the reflection on the marble in the foreground. So there you know there there are huge pluses to shooting without all the paraphernalia of, of normal filming. And we shot this film with whatever you could plug into a domestic socket apart from the odd um, night scene. And I've forgotten the third question. It was about rehearsal. How, as much insight into rehearsal, did you hot seat, did you... What, hot, did you what, is hot, what, what do you mean by hot seat? Did you, did you um, directly talk to actors and ask them sort of, uh, 55 uh, questions around their, their backstory? No. no. Not at any no. point, it wasn't that useful. So what, what kind That's of good process? idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I tend to work around a table with actors, both in the theatre and, and in film, to begin with. And in film, I don't rehearse. I don't try and stage anything. I just try and make everyone understand what the scene is, what the ambition of the scene is, and what the kind of emotional goal is when we get there. But I don't expect... We did walk it around a little bit around the rehearsal room. Yes, just sort of walking when we were supposed to be moving. Just in the room. But we did, you know, it was very little. Very little. Very little. Certainly, I mean, I, I remember from rehearsing with you, I think probably is actually 20 years ago, um, there was an awful lot of very detailed questioning that you gave around that rehearsal room table. Is that what you'd also do in film in terms of what you thought you were saying with that line? Yeah, exactly. And also sorting out anything that you might want to do with changing the script, because mm. as Kev says, you don't want at six o'clock in the morning with 20 people staring at you, you, you don't want some actor to come up and say, I don't know what I'm doing in the scene, can we change the lines, where's the writer, all that stuff. You want to nail that so that that's sorted and you can concentrate on the other stuff. Did, did the script evolve a, a, a fair amount through the rehearsals? Um, during the rehearsals? Yes. yes. The writer was there all the way through the rehearsals. I'm sure he, he was al- almost here tonight as yeah. well. Uh, but um, And he, it, it, it changed and it was, you know, usually the changes were things that uh, didn't need to be said, things that could be cut out because they were... Roger yeah. stopped me from doing some terrible things, I have to tell oh, you. You did. did you did. <laughs> what were you going to do? Well, you remember in that fire <laughs> scene, I came out screaming and shouting, what are you doing? And he said, no, please don't do that. <laughs> and he, he held me down. He said, it's much more powerful if you play it more quietly. Mm. And I learned a huge amount about filming. Obviously, you can't do that in the theatre, but you know that it's stronger, the arguments, in this film were very low key and that was Roger. I mean I would have I would have hit it much harder but he was up no he was absolutely right. It's absolutely it sounds right. like you adored the, the rehearsal process. Have, have, did you work had you worked together before this film or was this the first time you've worked no, together? No, we've never worked before together, no. We'd worked before and Hanif mm. and I had worked and Kevin had worked before quite a lot. Roger said he wanted somebody for the part that you wouldn't notice if you passed them in the street. <laughs> right? I couldn't possibly comment. 
I think we're getting another question. Huh? Um, there was uh, somebody say that, we'll regardless of that um, <coughs> perfect piece of biographical detail, um, you were completely entrancing and captivating oh, on the screen. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Thanks. So thank you very much. So come right the back, that corner over there. Hi, um, my name is Yuna Jo, I'm a London Film School student. Um, I really enjoyed this film. I really enjoyed this film, and also I just uh, feel just quite sad about you know, with the, the mother. And i just wondering is, I think his mother, he doesn't have a name on the film. So I think you have uh, something reason why you didn't give to the name to the mother. And also I, I want to know the, when you just performing you know, as a mother, I just I wondering, I want to know that you feel the as a mother and as a lady, the as a woman. You say I didn't have a name. Yeah, I, I was called May in the film. I see, yes, but I think I it's usually uh, I think you know people just calling your mother. I couldn't Mom. agree with you more. And the thing that absolutely freaks me out. I did, this wasn't true in this case, is when I get scripts and it just, as I do frequently, and it just says mother, and I won't do it. I say, I what's she called? June, Sheila, I want a name. You're quite right. But I did have a name in this. Is that what you're asking? Um, I just, I wonder, I just, I want to your, your uh, opinion about when you just act, uh, performing as a mother in, in that film, uh, and so you, uh, you are the, as a you know, mom, and so when you're just thinking about as a mom and as a woman, I think you have a little bit different um, I, uh, opinion, I think. Yeah, I think her children weren't very nice to her. She'd become estranged from her children. So I, I didn't find it much of a stretch, actually. I mean, I thought, although I much nicer to my son but um <laughs> i felt very a great affinity with this this woman who'd had a, a you know a, an unfulfilled life and i didn't see anything people say how could you do that to your daughter and i thought well it's my last chance she's going to get lots of blokes you know i'm this is my last chance to to be in a house with daniel Right. Right. Sorry, I hope that answers your question. Hello, it's for Anne as well. Um, I just felt that your relationship with your husband was really palpable in every scene that you had. Good. Um, and so when we got to the scene at the end with the slippers, I just found it absolutely crushing. I'm still barely functioning. So I was just, I was wondering about um, any character work or how you work as an actress before or during your script work, if you don't mind talking a little bit about that. Oh, God. I know it's huge, but... I just, I just think about it a lot, you know. Just think about how I would be in that... With this particular part, I mean, if you're playing something very extreme, of course, it's more difficult. I just tried really hard to think how I would feel in that situation. I found that really hard to answer. I just thought and thought and thought and thought and thought about it. And I talked to quite a few women who had, um, who of, of my age, and 
was quite revealing, really, because I found out two of them had actually had affairs with their builders. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't really... I found that hard to, to do. The, the hardest thing for me was, was to go to bed with, with Oliver uh, for Davis. I found that quite difficult to come to terms with. But, you know, as the director said and an actress said, my character wouldn't do this. Well, your character is doing it. So that's the end of that conversation. <laughs> I, I just, I'm sorry, I can't. It was very close to me, that part. So I didn't really have, I just thought about it a lot. Thought, think myself into the scenes, that's all. I'm going to come to the, the, the man to second the Yeah, we're even the hand. <laughs> Um, just to, once again, amazing. So can, can we just say, say where we're from, at least? Oh, yeah, sorry, I'm from London. My name's Christopher. Um, it's an absolutely amazing, amazing film. I've seen it before, actually, so it's my second time. Um, and I want, didn't want to ask something specific about the, the, the you know, technical things in the film. I wanted to ask more of a, a, a question about the general the subject. Do you think that this is a film that could only happen now, as it were, in a sense that the, the, the character that play, you, you, the character that is the mother was obviously in her youth, which would have been the 50s and 60s, presumably, um, at a time when it would have been very taboo to have done what she did as an older woman. Um, do you think that this film almost couldn't be made, say, in 30 years' time or 40 years' time, with the new generation, i.e. all the young women sitting around here, who've got a very different mor mores and very different values, very different, I'm not saying we're... The, yeah, the, no, right. It, it's a very yeah. much, it's, it's kind of almost couldn't be repeated, perhaps in the 20 years or 30 years, mm -hmm. or do you think it's an, a, a story which could be told forever? Well, I think, you know, you all know so much more about sex than I did at your age, so... I still think there's a taboo on, on two things. One is the idea of your parents having sex. Yeah. And, and the other is on the idea of older women having sex, yeah. you know, having a, having a, a sort of yeah. pleasant and, and fulfilling sexual relationship. You'll I, find I, out when you get older. And I, and I don't mean a loving relationship, I mean a sexual relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think this film is about love, it's about her sexual libidinous lust, wonderful lust for this man. And I think that's still um, a difficult uh, zone, you know, if you, if you look at all the the tabloids, that, that's the thing that they don't talk about. Yeah. Or if they do, it's, it's with the most disapproval and the most prurience. So I think time will tell whether these, this subject matter is still viable in 20 or 30 years, but I suspect that, that it, it will be. And, and you were saying before, Kevin, that the film has only just been sold in Japan this week, is that right? Is it Correct, yes. I mean, apparently it broke a terrible taboo in Japan about you know, the veneration that the the maternal figure is held in, and uh, and uh, you know, in a kind of Madonnaish way, it was, it was thought to be beyond the pale in Japan. And our sales agents, when we made the film, said, "Look, we'll probably do all right with this if it goes to Cannes and it has a good reception, which it did. It'll never sell in Japan." Mm. <laughs> hey, so we sold in Japan this week for <laughs> telly and DVD at, at least. Anyway, we'll see where else it goes. I mean, to answer your question, I. I if your question is, is it because she's a character who's come to sexual maturity in the 60s? My instinct is, no, I think this stuff goes on all the time. And, you know, actually, but, 
you know, everything we know about the history of sex and humanity is that things don't change much. Actually. But you see, I, f I think I, I, I didn't totally agree with Roger. I, and I, I did see, I think women, if you've never had romance in your life, I think men aren't. Uh, I don't, maybe I think I don't think they're as romantic as women are. Oh, and I, I just agree. Do you? Yeah. Well, I think that that there is will always be that element. It won't be just. I, this is where you and I disagreed about it. Mm. Do you remember? I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I I still I, think she was looking for young. I remember love. particularly that Annie kept phoning me up when we were shooting, <laughs> saying, "Oh, there's got to be a scene where they kiss." before they fuck, there's got to be a scene, there's got to be some affectionate scene. And so I said, after a while I said, yeah, yeah, we'll shoot it, yeah, yeah, sounds fine, we'll shoot that, we'll shoot a scene where you kiss. Then about two days later she called me back and said, you're just gonna shoot it and then cut it out. <laughs> and I said, yes, that's right. And then we didn't really, did we? We didn't it's, shoot it. We didn't kiss, no. Thank you, thank you for your, for your answer. I think I was just going to say that I, I, my feeling personally is that I think the next generation, or my generation, is going to be very badly behaved. I don't <laughs> think we're going to be the, the, the well-behaved generation of my, my parents who have certain sort of strictness and ways they the, believe Read what went be. on in the Blitz, read yeah. the Camomile Lawn. I mean, I, the stuff went on... For the whole century. It depends on where you were brought up. But I think what it's going to be much life? more talked about and much more open than it right, has been. I'm going to move on to another question. Yeah. Yes. Um, it's kind of a continuation, really. It feels like a very brave project. Were you conscious when you took it up as a script, or when, I mean, did the idea come from Hanif Qureshi? Oh, yeah. Um, it and it's quite interesting that. Um, you know, you're all men, besides. Um, and so. Um, and you know, a man wrote it. It seems very female. The uh, mm. it it does seem very much inside, very authentically inside that character's head, um, and very real to me. But it's very interesting that uh, you know, you team of three men took on this project, presumably before you even cast it, yeah. and decided to do it. I mean, were you conscious that you were breaking taboos and that? Uh, well, I think I think what interested me about the script was the was the was the central. Um, the central event of, of the film, which is that a, a, gra a, a granny has sex with a builder. That was what made me interested in it, if you see what I mean. Um, and I think that because when we... when seen it before? Well, we, I, I think there are one or two examples of, of this, but it's not common. And when we were trying to raise the money to make the film, everyone said, oh, we'd love to make this film, but could you make it with Judy Christie? Or could you make it with... Um, other other people who who'd been a sort of sexual uh, sirens in the 60s or or the 70s and our view was that, that the film that the real event of the film was not that it was about Judy Christie and a young man it was about some somebody who was um, in a way awakened yes, just, just <laughs> be careful <laughs> 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 who was sexually awakened by, by the events of the film and um, that was what was thrilling for me. Um, and that was why she was so brilliant, because she starts the film sort of inert, like a ghost in a way. And my, 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 my imagina in my imagination, 
she starts as a ghostly figure. You know, she's dressed in white. She's like a sort of apparition. Her and her husband are like a pair of ghosts in the station. They don't really exist. You don't see them. They're invisible. And then slowly, she she becomes like she's had sort of sexual ready break. You know, she sort of slowly comes alive until by the end of the film, it's like Doctor Who. She's 23. You know, and it's and it, that's that that's the the film only works because she could do that in my view. No, I mean, she did it by acting. I mean, but that's what's extraordinary. That, yeah. She becomes more beautiful as the film mm. goes on. And, she, and we didn't shoot it, we didn't shoot it in order. You know, we, she had to do that. One day I'm this and one day I'm that. So it was yeah, a I real... Mean, and, that, and that's what Annie did. I mean, yeah. she, she portrayed that Awakening. invigoration and that yeah. awakening. But any woman yeah. knows you start to look better when you've got a bloke, don't you? Uh, sure. I mean, but how many know. times you said, she's looking very nice, <laughs> where she got a bloke, you know, and I, that's how I thought of it, as somebody, you know, who gets... Yeah. It's also interesting to me that Hanif Qureshi isn't, uh, I mean, I think he was brought up in England, wasn't he, but he's not from the Caucasian um, cultural background, and it oh, seems no, he's quite to, he's critical. totally Caucasian. Oh, is he? Yeah, he was but born he, in Bromley. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, can't get more Caucasian than that. But, I mean, my, part, my partner is Indian as well, but, well, Indian. Um, I think Hanif is Pakistani, is he is half Pakistani? He's half English, half, half Pakistani. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they do have traditions, even, you know, with his parents, they adore the older people in the family, which is not necessarily something that we in the West are so good at. And it seemed to me, I mean, that might be a wrong dynamic, but it seemed to me that the film is, is by implication, very critical of the way that we treat people who are older in our families. Yeah. yeah I'm not sure true. how much that, that's inflected by his his uh, father's race, but you're right. I think it is a story about how we throw our our parents onto the scrap heap and how we're very bad at looking after them. I mean, what, one of the inspirations to film, if Hanif were here, he would tell you was Tokyo Story. So, I'm sure most of you know that film. That's a similar <coughs> film about the younger generation not not paying the respect. Yes. To the, and obviously in Japanese culture, that's an enormous burden. Um, and, and you know that's certainly one of the starting points that Hanif had. I'm coming kind of here, Nostromo. Hi, um, my name's Sam, I'm, uh, I'm an external filmmaker. Um, I think it's a fantastic film, not least because it's so unusual, particularly in having an older female lead. How difficult was it to get it made, particularly finance? Uh, it was pretty tough. Uh, I mean, in the end, you know, look, in the old days, this, this is the kind of thing that would have been made as a single film for BBC Two and may have got a theatrical release or not, you know, if things had... <laughs> kind of, you know, worked well for it on the festival circuit. Um, unfortunately, by the time we came to make this, that kind of television landscape had changed and there wasn't really a kind of um, strand of single drama on, on British television anymore in a, any consistent way. So we had to try and set it up as a, as a feature film. And um, actually, all that really happened if you cut to the chases that the BBC made it as a screen too, but we got to release it theatrically. But they fully financed the film. Do you think films like that are still possible now? I think they're harder. They're harder. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can do them. You the, can't do the, them for much more money than we did for this for. The less money you spend, the less help you get. Yeah. That's, that's, that's it. You know, you have to make it for as little as possible and then you get to make the film that you want. And, and we did this 
very cheaply. I mean, we did this for... What was, um, what was it cost? It was less than a million and a half pounds. So we shot it in six weeks. And, uh, and six, six fifteen and uh, weeks. Um, and you know basically shot everything within twenty minute radius of White City. In fact, where the where Westfield now is was where our production office was, wasn't it? Um, uh, yes. We sort of tried to make it in a different way from other films to save money, and found that very liberating and great. I mean, now that's more common because that's what's had to happen for everybody, but. I, th I think the point at which we made this, what we did, was kind of one of the first of the new low-budget kind of enterprises where this is what you had to do to get your film made. And so, you know, everybody got changed at Westfield, or the London Transport derelict warehouses in White City, and got into a minibus and drove to location. And as Roger said, we, you know, we didn't have a generator. We plugged the lights into the walls and we had a very small crew. And, you know, our caterer turned up with a kind of hot box at lunchtime in the back of the car. And We didn't have lunch breaks. We just no, worked, we worked just through. Worked we finished through. Early, so, so it, it was very... It was it's good fun. Good very much like people make films now a lot. But then, six or seven years ago, that was kind of quite, quite radical. We had a brilliant cameraman, didn't we? And Alvin. Yeah. Alvin, yeah. Alvin. Yeah. I'm going to take one, it's probably the last one. Just come down to the front here. Hi there, um, my name's Tate from the London Film School, and I have two, two questions. Well, one is about um, actual, I was looking at uh, kind of her self-realisation, and while for her journey, for the mother's journey, it was very much positive looking at it, um, I mean, there was some, crit it was being rather critical, but it wasn't in the same respects as it was for the children. And on one hand, kind of the individualism of the mother was kind of being hailed while the other one was, I felt, being denigrated when the, when the, when the daughter was saying all this stuff with the self-help. And I was just wondering what kind of agenda you had as a director with that, with that kind of attitude. Well, you, you, your job as a director is to make all your characters fight, fight for their space in the film. And you don't, you don't have value judgments about whether one is good or bad or one is... Uh, positive or negative, you should you should uh, you should you should advance all their causes equally, and it's up to you as the audience to judge who is. So, so you felt it was very much the audience who had taken of one course, side yeah. compared to I the other. Compared it's right to to uh, for the for the for the director to take sides in that way, yeah. and I think the daughter is a wonderful. I think she's a performance is brilliant, Catherine Bradshaw, and mm -hmm. I think that her you know her case, if you like, is 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 demonstrable, and I feel. <laughs> great sympathy for her and um, I hope she's flourishing whatever she's doing now <laughs> um, so I don't feel um, that she's she's a bad person or a, right. a bad character but she's she, you know Annie, Annie was saying how she felt about her children in the film I think that her children would like to say things about Annie as well if they were here they'd mm. say that she was a bad mother when they were kids she left them <coughs> you know she walked out on them you know as we discover in that seen in the writing class. I guess it's and just very much because it's her movie, kind of it's almost eponymous in a way you're going to identify with her and consider the others as antagonists in a way, right, naturally from that. I think as, as, a, as a director you should try and consider the whole, the whole family mm. of your cast and um, give them all a break. Right. I was also wondering one other thing, which was um, <coughs> you were talking about cutting out the kiss and often I found that 
just after the climax or just before you would almost cut, the scene would leave it, like for example when the father died or um, after the, the mother um, orgasmed and so forth. And I was wondering, were those filmed or were they in the, in the scenes, for example, but then later on, because I found it kind of an enigma actually, because I would always see the characters maybe like a few hours after when they had all, it was very restrained and they had all calmed down. And I was wondering, were there, what were the discussions between, between those scenes and the way they were cut in the film and how you imagined they were happening? I think that restraint is, is, is a good word for the film. I think the intention was to be restrained and to be, uh, to, to kind of be, try and be cool, you know, to set back a bit and not to um, intrude into um, intimacy in, in a way that was um, distasteful or felt um, prurient, I suppose. So I think restraint is a good word. I really think we should stop there. Thank you so much to Kevin, Roger and Anne for <coughs> staying Thank out you tonight. Coming. Thank you for the film. It was wonderful. I would like to thank everyone for your patience. And she's just slipped around the door. Um, and I think I just want to say a very important thank you to somebody who is in, in being invisible now, who helped us through tonight and made it possible for us to watch this magnificent film. So to Cheryl. And I look forward to seeing this audience back here on Friday when we will do everything in our power to start exactly at 7 o'clock <laughs> with Mike Lee's Vera Drake with the Melvin Stompton here. Thank you all. <laughs> Thank you.